Hello and welcome to the Back Four Football Podcast. This show focuses on our four supported clubs as well as results and news from all around the Premier League. Alright, we'll start at the international break then. England games played Wales, played Belgium. Probably not anything to get too excited about. Anyone? No. Anyone watch the games? This yeah, I watched it. Yeah. No. yeah, I watched it. I don't think I'm an avid sort of England watcher when it when it comes on. I'm not excited like I was before. I'm like, oh, it's on. I just have a a nose sort of thing. Yeah, he doesn't really get you hyped, does it? Unless it's sort of like, no. especially with the no, no fans, there's no the board, yeah, they? yeah, especially with I no fans, it's think- atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I personally think the problem with England is that um, in things like the qualifiers, um, friendly games, and now obviously, you know, you've got the Nations League, we um, England really do really well. And everyone, like, obviously, I've got used to um, watch them do well, get 100% records and all sorts of things. And then when they yeah, get to the tournaments, if, um, yeah, like you said, they fail. So for that reason now, you know, um, people are finding it hard to get behind mm-hmm. them um in in those sort of games um but i mean t- to be fair you know um he he used um some f- what we call f- fringe players in both games um which i think in the end it turned out to be a bit of success you know you know so mm-hmm. um they've beaten wales which obviously you know is almost like a derby sort of thing obviously it's obviously very it's local um and they've beaten belgium which is no mean feat um, Belgium haven't lost any games there. I think they're were they ranked number one, if I'm right? Yeah, we're the best team in the world now. Yeah, surely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've gone above them now, right? Well, I, no, they've beaten them anyway. You know, um, and that's one that's one back over Belgium. Obviously, they, um, they beat England to um to third place in the um, in the World Cup in Russia. Um, so I, I I still think you know it's quite positive. Um, for England, it, really, it is. Um, and had they not done so well in the World Cup. I probably would be at the same stage as a lot of other people. Like, well, you know, I don't really care because it's only um, it's only a friendly and it was only the Nations League. But because they were good at the last World Cup, um, I've kind of bought back into England again um, and looking forward. I was looking forward to the obviously the Euros this year. Um, I think they've got a good they've got a good chance of um, doing well, especially with the, um, the semi-finals and the final being um, in England. Um, so yeah. Um, I think it was good. It, it, it was good. It was good. It was two good wins, um, and you got to see some players that you wouldn't always, always see. And you know what? I, what I did like, um, I think I, I spoke to you about this, Aaron, especially in that first game. You know, seeing the likes of Connor Cody who scored. Um, you saw some players who looked like they're enjoying play for England. Um, and years gone by, it's not been like that. So I think, I think, yeah, I thought it was good. Oh yeah, I think he's. Um... You know, the, the Wales game, you could see it was a completely different team. It was all the, the players, like you said, the fringe players of the youngsters and stuff. And it gave them a chance to obviously play, you know, for England, give them a sort of a chance. And they did all right, I think. You know, again, we're only playing sort of Wales, so we should be beating mm. them anyway. But, you know, it's good to see like Dominic Calvert-Lewis, who's in obviously crazy form, you know, not former non-league player once upon a time. He's now scoring his first England goal. So uh, that was quite good to see. And obviously then against Belgium, with a stronger team. Um, I thought we played all right, to be honest. I mean, I missed the first 
I must admit, like, I fell asleep after my roast dinner, so I missed like the first <laughs> 30 minutes. But apparently, we, we were, they were all over us. But then from there, I thought we played well towards the end of the first half. We got got the equaliser. In the second half, I thought we played all right again. And then, yeah. you know, got the second goal. Three points in, in the in the group. So, yeah. Thought, yeah as I said, bad yeah, weekend, really. Yeah. The second half, good. Um, you know, I thought they were, they were resolute when they needed to be. Um, had a couple of good chances, you know, um, and there were still some big hitters who didn't play. You know, I, I don't think Harry, Harry Kane never started that game, did he? No, he came on at the end. Exactly. You know, he's the best striker they've, they've got. So, you know, mm. there are positive signs there. You know, there's definitely are positive signs. Well, it's clear to see he's having a bit of a battle with Mourinho at the minute, isn't he, about Kane? Because, you know, it's club versus international football again. The club's obviously want their players to be protected and be fully fit for the club games, which is mm. understandable. But at the same time, if you're representing your country, you know, the, the manager's going to want to play you. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a bit of a fine line. But, you know, he got all up, what did he get, like 20, 20 minutes or so, didn't he, come on towards the end? Yeah. yeah. Had a good chance as well. Um, towards the end, it was a header that he would probably normally have scored. But, you know, um, they got the win. But, you know, it's like I keep saying, I think, it, I think it's positive for um for England, um, they've kept the form going from um, from the World Cup. Um, and I think that's and I think that was really important because so everyone doesn't drop off. As I said there are still people. I mean, Sir John is not alone, and obviously I think you even you said it so yourself, Aaron. You know, um, don't you know? They, they think it was just like a one-hit wonder of of of, um, of that World Cup. They, they, they almost got there, but you know, we kind of expected them you know, to fail again. But you know. I don't know. I think I think I think um, I think Southgate's building something there with those guys. That's what I, that's what I think. Well, we'll come to that now because I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of hate for Southgate recently. And and to be honest, I, I you know I haven't been closely following England like so since we we went to the semis. I've not really been following it all that much because you know it's been friendlies or nation leagues or qualifiers. Mm-hmm. So now you know last weekend was probably the first time I'd actually sat there properly and watched you know full England game or two. For 90 minutes or near enough um but yeah i'm seeing a lot of hate for southgate and i'm not i don't really get it to be honest i mean you know there's people questioning his his tactics you know everything you could think of they're questioning his tactics what he's saying in the media um you know the players he's selecting but you know we've i don't get it to be honest you know we got to semi-final fair enough we probably had well we definitely had a really easy run but we still got to the semis and then what's he actually done wrong since like I can't think mm. of anything that jumps out. Where, you know, we're not we're not underperforming. We're not, you know, losing a lot of games. Well, you know, we just beat Belgium for God's sake. So I don't really get this whole Southgate hate. But what was your guys? Are you are you in in the Southgate camp or are you uh, are you against him? I don't know. He's hit and miss. Uh, but I think with any with anyone, in, the England job is always a cursed job. Whether you do well or don't do well, there's always going to be people looking to stick the knife in you so I don't know I don't know I'm a bit sort of in the middle with him like the ones before I was like okay I don't like him I like him but Southgate I don't know he's sort of in the middle yeah because he's um, done good and he's done bad as well yeah I think myself I, I I asked the question like you know who else would you get and mm-hmm. a bit like what you were saying um Aaron and um what else, what else could he do? You know, I, I don't know what more we could expect. You know, before we came into the job, you know, 
Um, would anybody have took semi-finals of the World Cup? I think we would have ripped your arm off of that. Um, you know, what I do like about what I like about South Southgate, he's not he's not afraid to make to make changes. You know, he's he's bringing players into the squad that may have not got there before. You know, Calvert Lewin's and um, so, so forth. You know, um, I've made the prediction. Um, obviously, Kurt will know this. I, I said it from last season that um, is it Calvin Phillips? Um, yeah. I'm absolutely um, I'm actually certain that this guy's going to the Euros. Um, he might not have got a look in under another manager. He's only just come into the Premier League, but you know, um, and I think it was very much, you know, an indication that um, that Southgate's looking at this play. He's giving a guy like him a chance. You know, he played against Belgium. He, I think he, that wasn't a mistake. He's throwing him in there on purpose to see what this guy can do. Can he actually, you know, um, can he handle playing against players of that calibre? Um, and that's, you know, that's, what, I mean, that's what I like about him. Like he's bringing in players like uh, like Connor Cody. Like you just mentioned, there, Calvert Lewin, Calvin Phillips, giving these lads a chance, like, and I think I think Aaron just mentioned as well. Calvert Lewin was playing non-league how many years back? Like wouldn't have even got a look in. So I, th- I think it's it's good working forward for us. Yeah, exactly. So I I, I mean, uh, me personally, I'm 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 I like what Southgate's doing. Um, you know, John touched on it as well. You know, he's the England manager. You know, people are always going to look for him to fail. They're going to look look at his faults. There's not. There's no perfect way of doing the job, you know. You can only do what you can do, you know. You look at the things that happen off the field, you know, the Harry Kane's, um, the two young lads in um in Iceland as well. Um, these the, all these things are beyond his control. There's, there's only so much you can do. Um, but you know, if if you if, you know, you put it all together and not look at things in isolation, you have to say he's doing a really good job. Um, and like I said, obviously before we got we were talking about England, you know, if they've, they've kept the form up that they had from the World Cup. They haven't dropped off, you know, and there's been a lot of change in the team as well over that time. It's not it's not even just the same team from the World Cup. There's new players. Like we just said, the three lads we just mentioned, these guys didn't go to the World Cup, um, yet still the form stayed the same. Um, he seems to, obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of um, stuff that you've seen in the modern game, the playing out from the back. He's, he's always introduced that to the England team as well. Um, so, me personally, I'm 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 really behind Gareth Southgate, and I'll be honest, I was surprised because when he first got the job, when he took over, um, I didn't expect any of this. I didn't think, you know, he you know, he he wasn't that experienced to me. I think he managed Middlesbrough, if I remember right. Um, I didn't think he'd be ready for um for the national job, but you know, he's done a very good job from what I can see. You know, um, you know, and and this, and this, and one thing what there is with England right now, um, especially with, amongst the players, is positivity. Um, and he, he's, he's brought that um, um, to obviously to, um, to the national team. Um, and there's definitely um, obviously guys that if you look at them, you can see it on the face. There are guys there right now who enjoy playing playing for England. It's not all just about the big names that we've had before. You know, he, he's bringing guys in there. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I, I'll be, um, I'll be I'm, I'm very keen to see obviously what happens with this um, the Euros because I think there's going to be some players going there like some of these new guys. I don't think they're just there for the sake of it. That's why. I said it, you know, to see um, Calvin Phillips playing against Belgium, you know, starting in a, a big game like that, that's a massive indication that someone like that could go to the Euros. And I, I did call it, I called it before that, because, you know, I don't think we've got anybody um, who plays the sort of style that um, that lad's got. Um, you know, and, and if he can keep it up, you know, he's in the Premier League now, he can keep it up. He's got a fantastic chance of going. Um, you know, he's, he's at the moment kind of going under the radar, but he's obviously not going under the radar of... Um, 
of the manager because as I said he stuck him in there in, in a massive game like that. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's unfair. If it, Leon, if it, yeah. Yeah. Leon, do you yeah. think the delay is uh, with all the uh, football? Do you think the delay was like a, a blessing in disguise because if we never had this, you'd never seen them in the Euros. Who can't think? Yeah, and everyone else. Well, I mean, the thing is, we don't know. It's it all yeah. would have um, depended. Um, you know, if, if Leeds would have got um, promoted, um, mm. he, he might have just thought, you know, I'll throw him in there. But um, I do agree. Obviously, of course, the delay definitely helps because what's happened now is, of you know, um, the Euros is obviously was suspended to, um, to 2021. Um, mm. So what that has done in turn is obviously, you know, the season started this season with him in the Premier League, so it's given him a chance to, to watch him in, a, in um, obviously in the Premier League. Can he cope? Leeds have had some big games to be fair, obviously to start off with, obviously yeah. um, Lee, um, sorry, Liverpool and Manchester City, um, and then yeah, obviously now he's got these Nations League games, you know, which he can obviously throw him in there and have a proper good look at him, um, um, and, and you know Connor Cody as well. It's not just Calvin Phillips, you know, he can have a proper look at some of these players that he might have not had a chance to look at, yeah, because if the yours would have been this summer, he, he probably would have had to go with more yeah. of the players that you know he played before, but you know. That's not his fault. You know, he's just taken advantage of that and it's the right thing to do. So, you know, I, I think he's doing a good job. I think it's unfair, but I, I do think that what you said, John, um, people are always um, going to pick faults, you know, for something that he's, he's done wrong. You know, there are some people who believe um, the two young lads should have been back in this squad. They've suffered enough. Um, there are people who believe that Harry Maguire shouldn't be in this squad yet because, you know, of what happened. You know, no matter what he does, basically what I'm trying to say, you know, He's not going to please everybody. But, you know, overall, if you look at it and say there are players playing with um, a smile on their face and they seem to enjoy it. That's the main thing, that you know. And there was definitely a time that, you know, England players didn't really seem to care. They were always putting out, you know, um, sick, you know, but then you see them in the Premier League. And I don't think we've got that right now. I think we've got a bunch of guys who actually want to play for the national team. And we've got to be happy with that. Yeah, I think you summed it up well, Leon. Um, we'll move our attention now to the Premier League. Uh, not a lot of, ga- well, no games, obviously, because the international break, but quite a lot of stuff going on off the pitch. So we'll start with the Premier League pay-per-view. So I believe all but one of the clubs, which was Leicester, um, actually voted for this um, proposal. So my understanding uh, is that there was a number of games up until the end of October which have all been allocated to the networks. And that's what we're currently watching. You know, that's why we're seeing four, um, you know, three or four games every every weekend on each day. Um, but I think it's after the October, there's another lot of games which wouldn't have necessarily been on TV, but obviously because the fans can't get in the stadium, which we'll also talk about in, in uh, shortly. Um, they're now looking to obviously monetize that. And 19 of the 20 Premier League clubs, as I mentioned, have voted to to put this pay-per-view in place, So, which is going to be going for 14.95. So, uh, yeah, discuss. I think we have to be very careful here. I mean, it's great that everyone's getting the opportunity to to actually watch these games, but how far does this go? When, when fans are allowed back in stadiums, are we still going to be charged 14.95 for, for games? Is it encouraging people to go around with with coronavirus and actually go into other people's houses and stuff now? I think we have to be very, very careful with this. Is it fourteen ninety five per game? Per game, yeah. yeah on top it's of not. You. It's not enticing enough. 
it's it's like a boxing pay per view. They're trying to compare it to a boxing match. It's not that. It needs to be like if you if you're going to put it in more enticing, more alluring, you need to put it in like a, a bundle because you could, like uh, I I watch Chelsea games, but if if I miss one, if I'm out, I usually watch the highlights on YouTube or Match of the Day. And if if you're going to pay for this one, you you could watch a real stinker and you're like, oh, why did I watch that? And you've just paid them 14 quid. So there's mm-hmm. no, it needs to be a bit more enticing because it's just going to increase like the people trying to stream it elsewhere because it, they're punishing the English fans like outside Europe. Why are they any different? They could watch it for, for nothing. Yeah, well, that's it. And I think they, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is the fact that, you know, season ticket holders are essentially being shafted because, you know, these people have sort of, you know, rightly or wrongly paid out their money for the for this season for season tickets, knowing obviously they wouldn't be able to attend sort of at least the early games. But it doesn't really look like, you know, they're probably going to let fans back, at least not in big numbers anytime soon at all. So these fans, you know, I don't know what the average cost of a Premier League season ticket is, but I know the West Ham one's an average around 600 quid. I think the Arsenal one, you're looking sort of closer to a thousand, if not more. And that's sort of what you're looking to pay. So all these fans have paid out for that. And they're getting nothing back. You know, there's no, um, you know, exclusive sort of behind the scenes stuff that the, the the channel that each team's putting out. There's no sort of like, you know, you can stream the game as a season ticket holder for free and stuff like that. What they're actually yeah. saying is, do you know what? Because we can't make money by, you know, having a ticket, you know, regular match day ticket holders coming in. We're going to charge you 40, not, 14.95 on top of that. We don't really care if you've spent out, you know, £600 or, or so. Yeah. So it just seems to me like, you know, I always say about, oh, yeah, we want the fans back. You know, we miss them. You know, they're the most important thing. But we all know the truth. And I think they're really proving it now is that all it comes down to is that we're just, you know, another source of income for them. The most and, important thing uh, is money for them. Well, exactly. And I think it just needs to be the case. And I always say, I say this about boxing, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a big sort of boxing fan and people always moan about, you know, oh, this fight isn't pay-per-view. And it's like, well, you can say that, but it's deemed pay-per-view, at least in the boxing model is when people pay for it. So if these games for football now aren't pay-per-view and people don't want to do it, then you don't buy it. That's the only way you almost starve the market. Mm. If you buy it and you go, oh, I don't want to pay fourteen ninety five, don't pay it because if no. you do, they're mugging you're just you off. Fuel in the fire. You're exactly. In the fire. So that's my view. Don't buy it, and then it won't continue. You know, if they can see that they're they're it's not getting any money out of it, they're then they're not going to do it. Exactly. And, and Kurt, I think you raised some some huge points that I hadn't even considered. You know, like the whole. The only bit I did consider is you're going to drive more people to illegal streaming, right? If you're already paying a Sky subscription fee, then, mm. you know, is that then going to make people cancel? Why am I going to pay 14.95 on top of that? You know, going around to other people's houses to save on a bit of money and stuff, which, you know, is all valid points. And it's just all they're thinking about is themselves, I think. Mm. There's no consideration of anything else other than the clubs want more money. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, guys. You know, you have to understand, you know, um, the clubs, um, Sky as well themselves, that, you know, there's been massive losses of revenue. Um, well, well, now, just before you go on that, I, again, my understanding is that the broadcasters aren't getting any money out of this. So they're right. posting the games and they're probably getting, you know, maybe a nominal fee to actually to do that. But my understanding right. is that this money is actually going to the clubs. So it's actually in the club's interest more so than BT or Sky. 
again, again, that's how I've understood it. So okay, I'm, I'm well, into how that's going to work then, because for instance, like as, as a Leeds fan, we've got LUTV. Um, it's, it's our online streaming service, really. And half of these games aren't on Sky Sports, aren't on BT. Um, it's, it's a £10 fee or you sign up for, for the year or um, and pay over, over the months for a, for a cheaper fee. So I'm, how does, how's that going to be working alongside the likes of MUTV who show games, I'm assuming? Yeah, they do. Liverpool. Like, how, how's that going to be working? Is that is that drawing money away from the club? Are you still going to have these options? Like, there's not really a lot more information out there at the minute. Well, I think based on what you got, um, just said there, what you um, just mentioned, Aaron, obviously the, um, with the majority of the, obviously, um, the revenue going directly to the clubs, I don't think it's going to draw anything away from the actual channels that um, some of these clubs already have. I think it's just going to be, obviously looks like it's going to be an additional revenue for them. Um, you know, so those who haven't signed up to the LUTVs, MUTVs and so forth, um, will just pay per game um, via, via Sky. Um, and... And if that is the case, you know. Obviously, it's, I, I don't, I don't see. Is it going to be a goal? It's all going to be based on the fact of you know how many people actually you know actually pay for this, you know. And you know, you, you look at things that obviously normally it would be the pubs and all that sort of stuff. They they would pay for, but you know, most of the pubs and obviously not, especially up north, they're not even open. Down um down this end of the country, you know, they're all closing early. So, I I, I don't see this um this this working long term for my. I certainly won't be paying for it at all. Um, you know, I I don't even pay for pay for doing anything. So you know, unless it's a major boxing fight. So you know, someone like myself, you know, I pay for my Sky subscription, and that's just as far as it goes for me. Um, you know, I'd rather listen online um, on the radio um, than pay the, pay the additional money. So yeah, I, I do think it's only unfair. But you know, at the same time, you know, um, these clubs are you know, I mean. They have been hit very hard, um, and you know, you know, we, we do have to obviously you know, look at it from their, their point of view. They've, they've, they've got to come up with all these these ideas of what they can do, um, but you know, I just think this is probably going to end up being a bad idea, especially given the fact that you know, um, those guys who are season ticket holders, if they've already outlaid um, money for their season tickets, then there should be some sort of um, like either reduction rate or they don't have to pay at all for this. At least that would look a little bit different. Um, but if they've got to pay for this on top of paying for like um, season tickets, and uh, to me, orders are um, ridiculous. To tell you the truth, I don't don't see the point of that at all. It's unfair. Yeah, and we'll move on to now the other controversial topic. Um, again, still on the Premier League is the Project Big Picture. So I don't know if you guys have seen much about that, but in summary, it was I believe nine of the the top or longest serving Premier League clubs, including United and Liverpool. They put forward a number of different proposals to Premier League as to what they want changed. And I think the highlights of those are changing the Premier League uh, number of teams from 20 to 18. Uh, They want to scrap the Community Shield, scrap the League Cup, uh, and also change sort of the voting system within the Premier League. So currently how it works is any major proposals for example, the pay-per-view model that we've just discussed, it goes to each club and each club gets to vote sort of how they view it, which I think, you know, is a completely right way of doing it. It's a, it's a, dem- a democratic system. You've got 20 teams, each has a vote. I think it's completely fair. What they want to do is they want to change that now. So instead of every club having a vote, these nine, you know, uh, supposedly big clubs are going to have that power solely and then they only need six of the nine clubs to vote that in. So essentially, they want the whole power moved to them. 
Um, and I think there was one other thing in there as well was about sort of the funding. And, and the, you know, I, I don't understand this completely because I, 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 you know, didn't really look into it in loads of detail. But it was certainly along the lines of the funded um, for TV currently, they want um, sort of more money to be um, sort of given to EFL. But at the same time, I think it would end up that the, the bigger Premier League clubs would take a bigger slice of the pie. So, again, it's about trying to, it's, it seems to me it's just a power move. They want, you know, again, try and make more money as possible. So um, have you guys read into that just as much, uh, you know, as much as me? Or is, is this sort of, what's your I mean, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had a, a brief look at it. I've not looked at it in depth or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm with you uh, within the, in so much that, you know, it's definitely something whereby, you know, um, the bigger clubs are, are looking for, obviously, more power. Um, and I think what they're trying to do is, obviously, you know, uh, draw comparisons with what you're seeing with, the, um, with other big leagues around Europe, where, you know, the big clubs, you know, take the majority you know, of, of revenues, they make the majority of decisions. Um, and it's not very, not very, how can I say, not very British, though, um, this, this whole approach. Um, and, you know, you look at the timing of it as well, because obviously, you know, these lower league clubs, you know, especially right now, you know, and, and a lot of us probably forget about them. I do myself, obviously, I support Man United, so I look at things, you know, um, you know from their point of view. But, you know, if you look at some of the, the clubs, you know, like the Leighton Orients and those stuff, stuff like that, these clubs are suffering massively, you know, and there's, there's threats of some of these clubs going out of business. So this deal, what's on the table, you know, although it may not be long-term for the benefit of the English game, um, you know, they, 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 some, some clubs are obviously would be inclined to obviously take it because they need, they, they need obviously the injection of funds. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see, um, this again, just, I don't see this one as being something which will, which is a goal again. Um, and the, the reason for that being is, um, you know, we, we, we we like our system and it's one of the things that we like about the British game. Like you said, it's very you know obviously very um very democratic, you know, every club um has a say. Um but um on the other side of that, you know, I've been saying it for a long time, you know, the reform is definitely needed within English English game. You know, um we're burning the players out, we play too much football. Um, you know, um, and it and it's it's shown over years in the, the national team's been affected by it. You know, you look at, you know, look at the national teams that do do well in tournaments and you look at how their team, um, their football leagues are structured and it's, it's completely different to us. You know, it's only been recently that we've started to have um, a winter break. Um, that should have happened a long time ago. We should be having something on par with what, like what Germany is, like that Italy, you know. These are the countries that are doing well and Spain. These are the countries that do well in tournaments, but yet still, you know, the we don't we don't seem to copy the same same as them. You know, I think we've missed a trick on the um, on the five subs as well. Um, you know, but um, again, this could be something that come back to haunt haunt us. You know, I don't know why we've reduced it to three subs. You know, it's the same for all teams. You know, you've got the rest of all the big clubs and um, so big nations around around Europe, and they've they've continued with the five subs, and it's all aimed at you know at protecting um, the players. Um, yet, yet we're not doing it here. So. Although I don't like um, this reform, I, I do feel that, you know, there's definitely reform needed. Um, you, know, you know, you you look at things, OK, teams will get relegated, you know, um, and, and there's obviously they've got these parachute payments. And, and I understand, you know, 
um, the reasons behind why they have the parachute payment, you know, it's, it's obviously to set those clubs obviously going out of business go down. But what that does in turn is a massive imbalance um, within the championship. And obviously, Kirk can obviously, obviously, um, obviously, I'm sure would agree with this. And what it also does, you know, you get these yo-yo clubs now, like the West Broms, the Sheffield Uniteds, and teams like that. And because they've got more money from coming down, they've got more chance of coming back up. So it has to be looked at, you know, um, um, the whole thing together, you know, it, it, is it fair, the current model that they've got? Um, and, it, and it's not. Um, so that's why, although I don't think this um, project reform will, will go through, um, it, it will get massive consideration because people know that there's definitely needs to be a change. Um, what I would say, though, you know, um, looking at, you know, I look, I look at the whole thing and I, and I look at um, Liverpool and, um, and, and, and it's part of um, clever, clever tactic from, from Liverpool um, and what they've done. You know, um, you look at them over the last few years, they've obviously, um, obviously they won the league, Champions League, and, and they've made the Champions League final. And it's very clear that there's a, a, a plan there, um, both on and off the field, to make Liverpool like this number one club, not just in England, but obviously around Europe. Um, and if they were to get this over the line of being like the chief instigator of like reform for the British game, you know, what would that do for that club? Um, and I think that I think that's obviously where, where they're looking at it from. They want to be the ones, you know, who like we've reformed the English game. That's what they're, they're looking at doing. Um, but then I look at obviously they've been supported by Manchester United. Um, and I'm... I'm a little bit um, confused as to what their angle is because they, they, they obviously got their own angle as well. You know, um, although they're not doing so good on the field, they still recognise really, if we all agree, as, as the biggest, the biggest team in in the country. So they're not doing it for um, for that. So it can only be for power and again revenue um, for them, which going by the, the the business model that we've seen over the last few years. Most of that's just going to come out of the game, um, you know. So you know they 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 pay their shareholders quite a lot. Um, it's well documented exactly um, how much the owners are taken out of the club. Um, so you know, um, I would say I don't really I don't trust um, the, the approach. Here. I don't think it's anything to do with helping um, these lower league clubs. I think it's solely to um, to protect the bigger clubs. And yes, you know, somewhere further down the line, they end up with. Um, the lion's share of the revenue and also making the decisions as well. So um, I'm, 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 I'm not in agreement with this at all. Yeah, 100% with Leon there. Like, I, I, don't, I think we do, we do need to look at how it's structured, how it's run um, and, and everything in between it. But for the sake of just giving, what, six, nine clubs all of the power, like this, this has got nothing to do with football and, and reformation. This is just about seizing power. Yeah, exactly what I think. It's 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 definitely about seizing power. It's it's not to help to help these clubs at all. You know, they, they, obviously the Danglian and this Olive Branch, um, and you know, it's catching clubs at a very very vulnerable time as well. Because as 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 we all know, these lower league clubs are struggling. If the Premier League clubs are struggling, then you know the lower league clubs are struggling. They were struggling before um COVID. You know, it it, it was well documented that you know things needed to change, and now. Um, quite cunningly now. This is this has come out now, um, and there, and there are clubs. You know, you know, there are clubs. You know, 
um, I can't remember the name, but there are there are clubs that have come out, you know, and they've, they've said that you know they would be inclined to decline it. They 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 would they'd have to probably accept this because at the moment, as things currently stand, it's the only offer on the table. Um, long term, is it for the benefit of the of the um of the English game? And nobody apart from well, it seems only Rick Parry. He seems to be the only person that you know who's come out and he and he's strongly you know like obviously in favour of the whole thing. Um, so I don't know if he knows something that the rest of us don't at the moment, but he seems to be in favour of it. But you know, I don't know. Is that because of his old Liverpool ties? Would would he be so in favour of it? It was Manchester United suggesting this. I don't know. Um, but you know, there's a reason why um, we like the game in this country. There's a reason why everybody else likes the game in this country. You know, and that whole um, as I mentioned, that the democracy. You know, with the fact that you know, you know um. TV money is shared, you know, amongst you know, um, all teams um, based on where you finish, you know. This, is, this doesn't, simply doesn't happen in other countries, especially like countries like Spain, for instance, you know, where you know, the top teams there and negotiate their own deals. We just don't have things like that in this country. Um, and, you know, if we were to move away from that altogether, um, that's why I said it, it just doesn't seem very British to me. I so that's why I don't think it would work. I just don't think it would, it would work because in the end, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, the smaller clubs would not just the smaller clubs that are outside the league, the ones in the Premier League. We're already talking about a big six, you know. So there's, there's becoming a divide within the Premier League. Can you imagine if that happened in terms of like the decision making as well? You know, it, it just it just wouldn't it wouldn't sit well with myself, and it does. And I don't I don't think it sits well with the majority of people. But at the same time, reform is needed, um, and that much you know I, I do agree with. So if we go through now, then just a simple agree or disagree for each of the points that that, that they've put forward. Obviously, we've, we've covered some of them, so we won't go through those. So just simple agree, disagree for each of you. I'll go around. So uh, League Cup scrappage. Leon? I disagree. I disagree. I wouldn't say. John? Uh, I'd agree. I don't know. I think you need one cup. I don't know. Uh, too many cups, I think. Got the FA Cup, haven't we? Yeah, just have just have the FA Cup. So you're saying agree you scrap the League Cup? Yeah. Kurt? No, I disagree. Okay. Oh, I agree. I, I, I'll just say that, you know, not a lot of clubs around Europe tend to have two, so I'm I'm inclined to just keep the FA Cup. Um, Community Shield, Leon? I'd keep that as well. You know, I um and I know and you just it's just a disagree, but I just say other countries take um their version of the Community Shield a lot more serious than we do. Um, I don't see. Um, I don't see. It's just one game. I don't see why that's even a problem. So I disagree. John. Yeah, keep it. Keep it. Yeah. Tradition. Definitely. Tradition. Always, I always feel like when I watch that, it's like okay, it's the start of the new season. It's yeah. kind of like the, the sort of marker. Yeah. Game. So yeah, keep it. Yeah. I've, all I will say on that is I agree. I think the clubs involved, though, don't take it seriously as, say, they would have done in, you know, years gone by mm. when it was actually the, you know, the the cup champions, which could have been really anyone in the Division 1 at the time um, against the league champions. Whereas now it's because you've got that such of the dominance, it's generally the same teams playing each other. And I mm. think they're now seeing that almost as a glorified friendly prior to the Prem. But yeah, I'd probably still be in the camp of agree to keep that. Cool. Okay, moving on then. So um, 
we're going to talk now about fans back at stadiums um, and just get everyone's thoughts on sort of do we agree that the fans should be allowed back? If so, um, sort of, you know, how many, how does that look like? What, what's everyone's thoughts on that? The sooner the better, really, isn't it? I mean, as, as long as we can do this properly, in, especially when you're considering all the government guidelines that are being changed every every second day by what by what it seems like. I think as long as we can do this safely, like get, get them back. Like we were trialing it to start with and then that, and that got stopped. I think it's for the for the benefit of the game, we we need fans back. Like just for instance, like last season with uh, with all the COVID stops and everything, um, our owner Rads was putting in a million pound of his own money every month just to keep the, the club afloat. Like we're starting to monotonize little things like fourteen ninety five for a game. Stop stop it! Like stop messing around with it. Just get get the fans back in. Yeah, I'm I'm with Kurt on that one. Um, what I would say though, you know, is, is if you think about it, like oh, in the last obviously um, six months or so since obviously we've had this lockdown, you know, we've had all these trials of like people can meet in parks, um, you know, you can go in the pub, restaurants, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, if I'm if I've put it like this. Where's probably one of the most safest places to do social distancing? Not to say safest, but one of the easiest places to do social distancing is probably going to be in stadium. a football stadium. Yeah. Because yeah. all you've got to do is like fill it to at least say 10 to 20% capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be fairly easy to, to, to keep people at distance. So I think for that reason alone, you know, you know, like probably in the stadiums, you know, England played um, Wales the other day. It's a 90,000 seat stadium. You know, if you've got 10,000 people in there, it's le- it looks like next to nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I think it's time to start getting fans back. Other countries are trying it as well. Um, and, you know, I think it's about time now that we try. I, I understand, the, the, obviously, the reasons. And, obviously, and, and the, you know, where wh- wh- you've got to worry is things like halftime and stuff like that, obviously, where people want to go for, obviously, refreshments and so forth. But at the same time, you know, you know, um, We've got to start somewhere, and I, I think you know you start small and you build your way up. You know, yeah. and you know, I, I, if we're doing things like that, you know, because obviously what we're having right now, there's a lot of rebel, um, rebellions to try and force people up to on lockdowns, and it's partly because obviously things that they would normally do in their livelihood have been taken away from them, and, and you know, even though obviously, um, you know, me myself, I'm fully in the green, so you know, we've got to do what we can to to keep everybody safe, but. I can also see the other side of it, you know, why you know, why people are becoming frustrated, um, you know, and, just, and and want to try and get on with things. And so, but maybe if we were showing, obviously, you know, like some sort of like willingness with things like football, getting people into some of the stadiums, and not just football as well, there are other sports as well, um, you know, it, it would show that, you know, that we are trying to move forward. You know, it'd, be, it'd be another way of showing it anyway, but. But I think fans need to get back into the stadiums. You, you start small and 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 you build from there. Um, as I said, o- other countries are, are are trying it as well. Um, I, obviously, I've not followed it, so I don't know if there's been any increases, you know, in um in the um the virus rate or anything like that, based on them um, obviously um fans going into stadiums. But I do think it's time to start getting some fans back in there. Um, and like um Kurtz has said there, look, clubs are feeling it. You know we can say all we want about, you know, um, basically clubs make so much money and so forth, but, you know, it, it's the same with any business. 
you know, you, you take away this sort of revenue from any sort of business, you know, this, this amount, um, and they're going to feel they're going to feel it. And football clubs are no different. Um, so, we, yeah, we need to start getting them back. I think. Yeah, I, I think the priority needs to be the you know the smaller clubs, and I mean when I say smaller, I don't mean you know the likes of you know smaller clubs in the Premier League. I mean those who are in the below you know lower football league and, and even below that into the non-league. You know that they don't have the TV money that you know the Premier League clubs have or the sponsorship deals. So although you know Premier League, it's going to be you know several million a game for most clubs for to bring in fans every game. So it's nothing to sneeze at. But those clubs down there. That is their main source of income. So without that, they are, for the most part, loss making, you know, because they've still got to pay all the wages and all the other sort of upkeep that, yeah. you know, that they've got. Um, so, you know, for me, priority needs to be looking at the the lowest tier that currently isn't allowing fans in. And that's currently the uh, the Vanarama National League and, and the North and South divisions. So they're the, obviously the, the, the top of the non-league, but they're still not allowed fans in either. So they need to be looked at in terms of how can they do it? And like Kurt said, how can they do it safely? You know, I don't think the issue is actually the the distance within the seats. That's quite easily done. Like you said, the problem is the half time, you know, how I think they're doing it in, it's not quite the same, but in theatres at the minute where they are allowed people in, they're doing bringing sort of food and drinks to seats. So you either have that as an option or the clubs just turn around and say, actually, because of what's going on, we're not able to actually service that. But then if people need to go to the toilet, you know, how do you manage that within a football stadium? I know when you're in a pub, you can have, you know, one way system, have three people in, which is fine. But you're then talking about a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have less people in. But how do you manage that? You know, and I think that's going to. And also, like, I don't know what other some other grounds are like, but talking from a West Ham perspective, the Olympic Stadium is it's really congested to get out. And basically how it works is on match day. I don't know if anyone's been there. But yeah. How it works is you're almost done in sections because there's so many people trying to get through, you know, quite a small sort of walkway um, yeah. that you have, you know, a number of um, sort of uh, security that have to sort of block people off, wait for it to sort of move on, then allow the next sort of wave through. And then it's all directed around the roads. It's all shut off. So, Again, we're going to be doing it on a smaller scale, but how do you maintain social distancing from there? You know, are people, you know, drinking before games? I know, you know, the pubs are still open down south up until 10 p.m. So people are going to be drinking, you know, are are they going to be a bit more laxed about it? You know, are they going to, I don't know, for me, I'm finding it difficult to put the responsibility on the clubs. I don't know, you know, you're relying on each football club following everything and, I don't know whether they're capable of being able to do that. I don't know whether you need some sort of, you know, third party, someone running by, you know, the FA or the Premier League, Football League, whoever it may be. Do they need to have some sort of jurisdiction on, on the match days to be able to sort of make sure that all the of the guidelines are being followed? Because I don't know, I just can't see how each football club is going to be able to be you know, responsible and actually maintaining that. So I'm going to sit on the fence and say, Fans need to come back, but how do we do it safely? I just can't envisage it at the minute. So it's a tough one. But like I say, the, the non-league clubs need to be the ones prioritised. So I've been going to um, my local team. So my local team, I didn't realise, is literally a five-minute walk away. So um, they're, they play in the Isthmian League. So it's basically the one below the Vanarama Conference South or National League South. 
and all of the clubs below that, so that you've got the Ispian League, Northern League, Southern League, and sort of their Division Ones underneath that, they're all allowed fans in, and I think they're capped at like 600. But because, you know, they've only got usually like one or two stands and you've got a lot of terracing, it's much easier to do. And because, you, again, the crowds are so small, you don't have any issues getting in or out or, you know, it's all outside. You don't have to go inside the stadium to go to the toilet or stuff like that. So it's quite easily done. But them clubs are fortunate enough that they're actually allowed to bring, you know, some of the fans in. And some of those clubs don't generally have a higher attendance anyway. So they're quite lucky that they might not even be in hit at all, some of them. Um, but then just you go just above that, to, like I say, to the National League, who, you know, are only, say, one or two divisions above that, that. Their fan base is obviously a little bit bigger, but you know, in the National League, I think the majority of clubs now are actually professional, whereas years ago they used to be semi-pro. So you you think you've got to pay professional footballers, say, you know, several hundred quid a week, and you've got no fans coming in. So they're the ones who are going to be really, really hit at the minute. Yeah, no, I I I, I do agree with you. Obviously, you've got to prioritise obviously clubs like that. Um, you know, but you know, I what I'm, what I was saying again, I, I do I do feel that. You know, even with those clubs, you know, there will be a way around it. I don't know um, off my hand how it would be done. Um, yes, you are relying on the clubs, obviously, you know, to, obviously um, for them to manage it as well. Um, but then I would say, you know, what's the alternative? You know, do we just continue with without any fans in there? And these clubs, like these clubs in those leagues, struggle even further. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you gave them the option, you know, they would like to try and manage this themselves. You know, um, it's it's no different to okay. I know it's on a larger scale, but it's same with pubs and restaurants. They're managing it themselves. You know, so 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 why 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 shouldn't football clubs try and manage it themselves? I I think what we're looking at is the fact that there's obviously there's more people in there, and then we're thinking, God, can can these clubs obviously be trusted to manage it? But you know, if we're um, expecting other industries in the world to manage obviously um, social distancing. Um, then yes, I think we we um would have to at least try and give um football clubs the opportunity. Um, for me, fans do need to get back into stadiums, and obviously you look at the size of the stadiums, and then that will determine how much fans can get in there, um and, and, and you know whereabouts they can be placed and so forth. But um, yeah, I, I, again, I just think it's gonna be it's gonna be the half time where it's gonna be the problem, um and and obviously full uh full time, you know, but it. But it you know, you've got people in closed environments like cinemas and so forth, and, and that appears to be working. Um, so I think football should be given a chance as well um, to see, if, obviously, what they can do. The thing is, like, some of these tests, haven't we? Like, we've shown that it does work, that we can get teams, uh, sorry, that we can get fans into grounds to watch their teams. We had tests up and down the country. Um I wouldn't be able to tell you what the clubs were. I'm sure there was um, Brighton held a test um, down on the south coast there. Got a few thousand fans into what you call their stadium. Um, and, and it all went well. We didn't see any increase in like the R number or anything. Or if we did, it definitely wasn't down to 2,000 Brighton fans turning up to a game and social distancing. Um, so I, I think we just need to look at this properly. Like we do. It's evident that it, it can work and it does work. We just have to manage it ourselves and be, be responsible about it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know we did deadline day last time, but there are still some transfer rumours around for at least my club. 
Because oh, we're yeah. now going after the championship players. Because we couldn't sign anyone in the normal window. So we're now got another few days to sign uh, Brentford players and Bournemouth players. So, yeah. Um, don't know if you guys have seen much. Probably not too interested. But um, we... Oh, God. It's almost embarrassing, really, the players we're signing. Craig Dawson. We signed yeah, so... Craig Dawson. Where's he come from? Championship, mate, where he belongs. I know, I know. I just know what, what team was he at. Um, did he get really yeah. last season? So Watford was. Was he at Watford? Watford? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know how. I'm not sure. He, he was their is. top scorer. Was he? Yeah, he was their top scorer. That's okay. nearly as bad as us going for Todd Cantwell. Who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Todd Cantwell's all right. Um, to be fair, young player coming up, and I think that would be a good signing for yourselves. Actually, you know, mate. Yeah, um, when you're going for the likes of um, Crusants and failing medicals and then you're dropping down into the leagues looking at Todd Cantwell, I'd rather not. Yeah, I, I just think I think he's got a good... I, I'm surprised he hasn't been snapped up already. He's only young, um, Todd Cantwell. Um, he's got an eye for goal. Um, scored against United last season in the FA Cup as well. And I've yeah, heard that a, don't make him any good, though. <laughs> I've heard a lot of um, good rumours about him even before that game, but, you know, but his goal was good. Um, and he is, along with um, Aaron's and um, I think the other wing-back they had there, he's one of their better players. So, obviously, you know, he's in the Championship and that's probably the reason why, you know, he might be not... Obviously, um, you wouldn't really think right now you want him to come to your club, but he, he's not a bad player, Todd Cantwell. Um, and if he doesn't go um, now, he possibly will go in January anyway to somebody else. West Ham. <laughs> yeah. Probably, mate. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, Craig Dawson. The only thing I'm happy about that is the fact that it's not a permanent transfer, and that's how bad it it becomes when you sign someone and you're just happy that it's a loan deal. Because if he turns out to be what you'd expect him to be, no more than you know a backup, then at least you you send him back at the end of the season, don't you? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's it. And then there's two other players that we've been heavily linked to, and I think it's a bit of a toss up between getting one or the other at the minute. So first one is Josh King, um, 28, oh, 17 million, apparently 17, 18 mil they want. Um, and we're sort of in the middle of back and forth over that. And he's also going to be on quite a lot of wages as well. So I'm not too sure about him. And then the other one is Sed Benrama, who we all know from Brentford. But yeah. again, it's like 30 million pounds for a player who's never played in the it's- Premier League. So yeah, yeah. there was, was rumours that Leeds were looking at uh, at Ben Rama at one point until he would. Did you see that uh, that video that he released on his holiday? No, what was he that? He was like an absolute idiot. All uh, just sat there getting his getting his hair cut, getting filmed, all, all drone footage, splashing the cash around in nightclubs and stuff. And I think that was what turned Bielsa's head and was like, "Nah, sorry, like it's it just not going to fit into the team." And it all went quiet after that video came out. To be fair. West Ham be all over that then. No, sign him <laughs> up, sign him up. He is a talented boy though. Um, you know, I've, I've I saw a couple of his goals for Brentford, um, and I think he's good. But I think it's one of those sort of things. Though, at the moment, though, it's like you know, big big fish in a small pond. So it probably suits well for Brentford. If he goes to West Ham, it could change, um, or even Leeds. To be fair. Um, so you know, but I'd still I'd like I'd like to see him come, but I, I, he's got he's got he seems like he's got a bit of an um from what you're saying there, a bit of an attitude issue um which won't do him well in the Premier League definitely obviously, but in terms of what he's doing on the pitch, he looks all right. Um, 
you mentioned Josh King, and, and if, I'll be honest with you, um, I'd be absolutely ecstatic if you get him because, you know, Man United have been linked with this guy for so long and I just didn't want him anywhere near the club. He, he actually came through the youth set up at Man United as well. Um, and this is nothing personal against, against him um, because, you know, He's he's all right, but he's he's not someone that we should be going for. The numbers that you're talking about as well, 18 million plus, you know, I mean, like you said, pretty big wages and stuff. You know, he's um, he's 28, 29 as well, so there's no sell-on value there. You know, well, you're not going to sell him on for anything. The, and the, he's... the the part I don't get is the fact that his contract runs out at the end of the year. So, mm. you know, if it, Bournemouth seem absolutely desperate to get him off the wage bill and obviously trying yeah, as much money as they can. But, you know, if that's the case, then we shouldn't be really going above, I don't know, I would say less than 15, to be honest. If he's probably going to be second choice striker, I'd say, behind Antonio, he's probably going to be given competition. But if he's not your main man, he's 28, he's got a year left and he probably wants about 80 grand a week, I think. Then why are you going to want to pay, you know, pretty much we sold Dean Garner for a fee of up to 18 million. We're almost going to go and spend that on a player who's going to be a, you know, second fiddle probably for the most part. Doesn't it wasn't really even first, it wasn't even first choice at Bournemouth. Um, so I, I don't see why that why, why they've got this such high demand for him. Um, he wasn't first choice there. Um, I can't remember his name, but the lad that went to um, Newcastle. He's a better striker than him. Wilson. Yeah. Well, that's the yeah, thing. We we tur- we turned him down because again they wanted twenty mil. Uh, we we thought that's a bit too much again, given his age and and more yeah. his injury problems. Yeah, you know that was too too much of a risk. So I don't see. I oh know Josh King probably isn't as injury prone, but apart from that, there's not really too much difference in terms of like you know the caliber of player they are. And like you yeah. say, Wilson's probably edges it. I think Wilson edges it just slightly. Um, as I just said I think eighteen plus eight. I mean, if you're saying he's got a year left. Um, in three months, you'll be able to um, negotiate a contract with him. Um, exactly. Free. You're not in the same league as him, so you can negotiate a contract for free. So, yeah. what's the point paying that sort of money? You know. Well, I mean? that's it. And I think, um, from what I'm reading, he's 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 the second target behind Ben Rama. So Ben Rama's obviously the main main target. He wants to come as well, which I think is a is a big difference. I think King's going because it's a better option than Bournemouth. Whereas Ben Rama, from what I'm reading, he actually does want to come. So. You know, I'm sort of more inclined to get him. He's younger. You know, yeah, he hasn't played Premier League, but on ability, you'd probably prefer to have him, wouldn't you? Who's hard thing, so yeah, getting getting to the peak of his career rather than probably already had it. Exactly. Just he hasn't played in the Premier League. He does look like he's Premier League ready, though. Like exactly. I watched him in a few games that we played against Brentford last season, and he, he was unbelievable. Like quick, got an eye for goal. Loves to cut inside, both feet. Yeah, like, he, he did look good. And do you know what? If it, if it was any club other than West Ham looking to sign him, I'd probably say, yeah, he's going to be a good Premier League player. But seeing as it's us in the market, we've got a good habit of signing players who are good before they join us and then we just ruin them. Look at Anderson and Halef. So uh, yeah. we'll Lots see. Lots of clubs yeah. have been linked with him, though, to be to be fair to Ben Rami. It's just, it's just no one's not took that risk as yet. You know what I mean? But um, like like Kurt said, you know, I, I, I've watched a little bit of him when, um, in the Championship. Um, and his goals, he doesn't score many tappings. The calibre of his goals are genuine quality. Um, if he scores one or two of them in the Premier League, um, you know, <laughs> then his ceiling's definitely higher than King. He only needs to score two goals like the ones I've seen him scoring for Brentford, and you, you'll be thinking you've got yourself a bargain. 
Um, but I, I, you know, with these sort of players, um, I don't know how to say. You know, he could be one of those. You know, he's great one week, and the next week he's absolutely terrible. Um, mm. You know, it's, it, it, does he believe his own hype? I mean, what Kurtz has said there. You know, I mean, that's that's alarm bells to me. Um, he hasn't made it yet at all. He's far from it. Um, and even then, he still don't want to be seeing all that. But when you see guys doing that, you know, sometimes it kind of gives you an idea of, of um, the mentality, what might be behind the player. But at the same time, I still think it'd be um, it's a risk worth worth taking because if you can get something out of him, you could have a really good player on your hands. I mean, if I think if you could take any of them that front three from Brentford, because um, they they were prolific towards the back end of last season. They went on what was it a 10, 10 game run? Like, yeah, they won every wins, game as well. Straight, straight wins, like yeah. scoring for fun. Like they they almost caught us up. They bottled it towards the end, to be fair. But if you could take any of them front three from Brentford, Watkins as well, like the the the, the turn up in the prem, I think the the turn up. The proof's already there with Leeds players. You know, I mean, they've still got a majority of that squad played in the Championship, and um, I know it's only early doors, but they are holding their own at the moment. So, um, well, like from from that season when we finished thirteenth before Deep Bielsa joined, we've still got nine of those players. In the in the in the first team from that season, like there he also kept the structure of our team, like he's done really well with it. To be fair, but yeah. yeah. Well, Watkins is actually gone, isn't he? He went to Villa, I think. Oh, they took him, have they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they signed him. Yeah, he scored he's... against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, he did actually. Yeah, he did. Because <laughs> again, he was another one we were looking at from Brentford, and then he went Villa. So, don't know how much of that Brentford team is going to be left. I mean, I think they need another really good season because otherwise you know they're going to just end up losing the, the best players aren't they so well, well, then again Covid again obviously you know what I mean that's probably another reason why they need to sell players you know um, obviously that loss of revenue from the fans you know, it, it's going to be hitting them so obviously they've got these players now that other teams have looked at I think he'd be a, I think he's a good risk um, if you can get that over the line I've said from what I've seen of him um, like Kurt said, they they were they were on a great run last season, and he was definitely at the forefront of it, scoring goals, setting them up. Um, I'd like to see him in the Premier League and see what see what he can do. Good stuff. Okay, so we'll turn our attention now then to the upcoming games. Uh, but before we do that, Kurt um, Leeds, let's go through a bit. Leeds, I think last episode we were talking about our club start of the season, hopes for the season, all that kind of stuff. So. Just go through, really. How, how do you think Leeds have started? I think we touched on them last time, but it's been a pretty good start, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you couldn't have expected the start that we had to this season, really, can you? Like, you would not have expected it. I was I was anxious before this season started. Like, it's taken us 16 years to get back up for you. And we get Liverpool as the first game. We get Man City in the first month. We get a Sheffield, we get a Sheffield Yorkshire derby. Like, you, you couldn't write it. And we've turned up to be fair. Like that that game against Liverpool must have got so many heads turned. Like it was unbelievable. It was up up and down to be fair. Exactly the same as the City game. Um, apart from we just didn't put our chances away. Um, I reckon a, a solid season for us is anywhere above relegation to be honest. But looking at the start we've made, I'd I'd be stupid not to be dreaming of a top half, maybe even a top ten finish to be fair. Yeah, I don't, don't see why not. I think um, I don't think you'll be in trouble, to be honest. You know, I think you've got good enough 
everything really the, the players you've bought you know really strengthen you've got a good core team coming through and then you've got obviously a manager who's who's you know turned turn, turned you into what you are and he's done stuff elsewhere and now obviously you've got a like you said earlier you've got a board who's, who's investing as well I think you'll be absolutely fine this year and I, I said to these guys before you know before probably um the season started and, and even now to be honest I, st- I think you'll you'll be finishing above West Ham I genuinely do I think yeah. um you shouldn't have any problems probably rocking around like you say sort of 10th 12th that's how I see it but never know you could could push on from there if you can keep players fit and stuff then why not break the top 10 but um yeah, yeah definitely obviously survival in it this year and then see where you go yeah the, the main point has to be survival this year so that we don't end up being that yo-yo club like no nobody wants to see that in the in the Leeds end especially like uh, it's just frustrating when you see clubs like that coming up and down and just, I'm, I'm going to say it, but tainting the Premier League. Like, um, but when you've got the likes of um, Rads, uh, our owner, like the board that is put together, like the things he's done for the club, like buying back Ellen Road, like putting a million pound of his money in last season every month just to keep us afloat and stuff. Like we're in, we're in, we're in good times now, to be fair. And it's, and it's, it's good to see us actually on the pitch as well, playing some decent football. Like the football that Bielsa's got us playing and, Victor Orta in the back there as well with the signings that he's putting forward for for Bielsa like Costa like the Messier we we bought from uh, I think it was from, from Nantes like five million pound is is cost us it's an absolute bargain and he's, he's keeping Kiko Casilla out of the team he is he is injury prone and problem prone he does make me panic Casilla but Messier he's been absolutely brilliant and you can see it just from watching watching the games that we've played in already. Um, that that Sheffield United game, man of the match, like, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Um, the likes of bringing in like I n- never thought we'd be competing with these these types of teams. Like when you're getting f- uh, the the Spanish starting number nine, like for the for the national side. Rodrigo, yeah, Rodrigo, yeah. Great transfer. If if we if we'd made those uh, first team transfers in a different order, we'd have broken our transfer record like three times this 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 time this uh, this window. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's just a shame to see that um, Lorente's got got injured um, before he's even kicked a ball for us on international duty. So it's, it's little things like that that I think we need to probably keep an eye on and strengthen. And because everyone knows Bielsa only keeps a, a small squad, you know, that was probably our slip up in that first season, finishing finishing third. Never know, mate. Could be another Champions League semi final in the years to come. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Looking at the next lot of fixtures, then we'll stay on Leeds. You play Monday night at home against Wolves, who, you know, I mean, they lost 4 0 to us. So, I mean, they've got a good team, but that's a winnable match, though, isn't it? I think, well, like you say, they've got a good team and they've got a great manager there as well. So it'll be a good game to watch. But as, as I just said there, we've got Lorente out. I mean, he hasn't kicked a ball for us yet. But also, we've got, uh, we've got a captain, Cooper, out who was on international duty with Scotland. He's out as well through through injury, so it looks like we're going to have have to bring in um, Pascal Stroik. Um, he was an under twenty three. He's got promoted up to the first team this year, and he's he's looked good to be fair, Stroik. But I don't know. It's one of those on the edge games, isn't it? Like those are the games you need to be winning if you want to be finishing in the top half or pushing on. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? What's your prediction? I think it'll be a, it'll, it'll either be a close one. It'll be same old Leeds, I think. Plenty of possession, plenty of attacking football, sexy football to watch, and probably nick it two one one all. It's got to be around there. 
And then Chelsea playing on the Saturday at home against Southampton. John, that should be three points, really, isn't it? <laughs> it should be, but you never know. You don't know with this. I mean, you actually got, you actually, you've <laughs> actually got a clean sheet this year, haven't you? Got a clean first sheet against one. Palace, yeah. First one. I think, I think we got to be a bit... We're, like what our, our team's been like, grinding out the past couple of days. Starting off, it was kind of like a new squad and everything, but I think we need a bit of stability and find out the team. With everyone coming back, we've been missing I think he'll well pick up to not I don't think he's playing for England, so hopefully he's back. Can you hear me? Are you losing me again? Yeah, your mic keeps going, mate. Bloody hell, this mic. <laughs> is it the it's is it fine. the old dodgy one? No, yeah, I, I took the new one out. <laughs> the old one was working today. <laughs> Schoolboy, mate. Schoolboy, trying to record a podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> the pound uh, shop. The pound shop. I got a message from Leon. <laughs> <laughs> Defo pound shop. Um, yeah. Leon. Newcastle away, potential Cavani debut wearing that famous number seven jersey. He's not um, playing. Yeah, he's not playing. So Cavani can't play. Yeah, he, um, he's basically got quarantine. Um, uh, okay. Oh yeah, because I saw the appeal about that as well. That made me laugh yeah, thinking about it. He wasn't in. Um, if he would had been in a bubble in uh, in France, um, mm-hmm. then he would have been fine. But he wasn't. He was just literally just doing his own thing. Um, which just shows how much of a great sign it is. He didn't even need to be in the bubble. He could just do his whole thing. Nobody cared and we spent money on him. Um, Probably for the better anyway, isn't it? I mean, that is a panic buy if ever I've seen one. Yeah. yeah. Get get yourself down to Woodwards, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I mean, no, no, this is a massive game for us. Um, I think I touched on it um, last week that, you know, um, a, a serious defeat here um, we've got PSG few, a few days after that game as well. Um, that could be the end of Oli. Um, I don't even think he'd even get as far as Chelsea who come after that. Um, what I think will happen though, we've brought in Alex Tellez. I think that he will um, play safe and go with um, three at the back. Alex Tellez on on the wings, um, which I will I do think that should also help out um, Igalo. Um, who hasn't been that great for us of, of, of late. I think he's gone got a bit quiet, but I still feel that, you know, he could be dangerous in a game like this. Um, the thing is with, uh, with with Oli, every time that we seem like, you know, like it's the end, he always seems to pull a result out of nowhere. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we go there and win. Um, I'm not confident. I can't be confident at the moment, not after what I've seen all season, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. I know we've got the talent. Um We've definitely we've got the talent to go there and win. If it was me personally, um, I'd drop Pogba. I'd just take him out, take him out of the equation, and I'd stick Van der Beek in there. Um, and the, and I would hey, play. You said it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I would and I would um I would play with the back three in that game there. The reason why I think I'd definitely do it in that game because I think we're definitely going to need it um going to PSG. PSG is going to be a very dangerous game for us. Um, their, their wounds are going to be very, very, very raw from the last time that we beat them there, and they're going to want to throw everything at United. So we need to basically prepare ourselves um, for that game playing Newcastle. I mean, obviously, the good thing about that is that um, Cavani will will be available for that game, and so will um, Martial. They'll both be available, and I think I would probably bring Pogba back for a game like that. 
Pop was that sort of guy that would probably turn up against um against PSG. Um just because he's going back to Paris, you know, probably likely to have family watching and so forth. So yeah, can we beat Newcastle? Um, I think we can. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a draw, which is not a good result for us at all. We need to win that game because of what happened. We need a reaction. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a draw. Andy Carroll, at trick, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Get your bets on now. Yeah, I don't see that. As I said, I wouldn't be surprised to be in a draw, but we can definitely go there and win. If we win, it'd probably be close as well, like 1-0 or something like that, 2-1. Yeah, I said earlier about the um, the box office, and I actually got it wrong. I thought it was starting from November, but it's actually starting from this weekend. So, yeah. funnily enough, the Newcastle United game United is on Sky Sports game. box office, and also the Chelsea Southampton game is on BT Sport box office. So, I mean, I'll what do you watch? Do you watch... Yeah, I mean, if I was picking one, I'd have to pick the Chelsea game because I don't really fancy watching a mid-table clash on Sky. <laughs> the United game is going to be a good one, trust me. I, you know, um, that Chelsea versus um, Southampton, that's just three points to Chelsea all day long. I don't even, I'm they? not going to say that yeah. to a Man United fan. I don't think that's really going to be a good game. I think this game, because, you know, if United lose that game, if you think they're under pressure now, if they drop points, I think even they draw, even if they draw, mm. Like the pressure was going to increase, so that's the game to watch, even as a neutral, because the pressure is going to be on. We have to go there and win, and, and win well. Like you know, and, it's, and Newcastle, and I mean, they're a little bit hot and cold. You know, I mean, they beat you in the first game, um, and I think I, can't remember, I think they've lost a couple of games after that. But the point I'm saying is that it's not going to be an easy game going to Newcastle. Obviously, Andy Carroll and guys like that, they're all going to want to go at United after what they've seen happening. Everyone's going to want to have a go at them. So. I don't see Newcastle sitting back or anything like that. I think they're going to come, they're going to have a right good goal at United. But United have to win that game. They got beat six one um, by Spurs in the last game. Nothing, nothing other than a win and probably a convincing win will be good enough. And even if they did that, people will still pick out the faults because of the way they've been beaten. But that's the nature of the um, nature of the territory that's how it goes. Really, we have to win the game. So after, as a neutral, I'd say watch that game because you see we're going to be. Um, you're laughing at United or you're going to be saying oh well it was still rubbish you only managed to win like this whereas Chelsea versus um, Southampton no matter what happens unless a weird Chelsea turns up I just yeah yeah, I just I don't I don't really see that being anything remember there's no fans there or anything either so I can't see where the, the excitement around that game comes from Chelsea should just win that game by whatever and even if they won 1-0 2-1 nobody will say anything whereas United you know they got beat 6-1 at Old Trafford. There needs to be like a statement of intent in that game. So that's the game to watch, even as a neutral, I think. I've just been you got the table there. Though. If, uh, if, if you get three points out of this Newcastle game, Leon, you could jump all the way up to 13th, mate. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and I was just analysing the bottom half of the table. They can't quite go into the relegation zone if... if uh, they lose and results go against them because West Brom are playing Burnley. So, but they could drop down to 17th, so just nice and snug above the drop. <laughs> just, just on that note, while we're um, following, we're talking about Leeds where they would finish. I mean, at the moment, the season's going quite well, but I think the dream scenario is Leeds are in the Premier League, fans don't get a chance to see any games, then you get relegated. You know, what I mean? you, you know, I think that would be the perfect scenario. And I'll be think, there to celebrate that, which was I think, I think you touched the nerve there, Kurt. 
I know. Like, he's biting now, isn't he? To be fair, though, how the season's going at the moment, it's looking more, more likely that you're going to be propping the bottom of the table up at the minute, mate. So it's the other way around. <laughs> when, when, does, uh, when does Man United play Leeds again? It's, it's um, I don't know. I'm no, not looking no, forward yeah. to it. You know what I mean? I've said it from the um, from a long time. Leeds are going to shock a lot of teams. It's just it's the style of football, and they've brought it up. You know something that Kurt didn't mention. Um, I I don't know how many teams have done that, but um, against Manchester City, um, Leeds had nearly sixty percent of possession against City. I don't know any other team, not even Liverpool, what's done that to them. There's only um, we're only the sixth <laughs> club in history to actually have more possession than a Pep Guardiola squad squad in his whole career. There you go. That's uh, what, and and, and it was considered and it was considerable. I, I, it was considerable. As I said, they had fifty nine percent possession in, in in the entire game. And I, I, you know, how many teams have done that to, to City at all? I said, not even Liverpool have I seen have that much possession against um against their Man City. So they're not going. I know they're not going to be any pushovers. I knew that already. I said the only thing I fear for Leeds really is um is at the back. You know, um, I feel like you know. You can get goals against them. Um, that's the only thing I, I do fear. They're not going down. I, I, I just jokes aside. I, I said that not this season anyway. No, um, I mean, when, when you're strengthening yeah. at the back with the likes of uh, Lorente and Cock, like yeah. you can't, you can't really. Yeah, I, think, I think I think they'll be all right, Leeds. But yeah, um, at the moment I wouldn't want to play them because they said United are under so much pressure. And Leeds would. Oh. I think the fact that the players would love to play my United <laughs> right now. Um, but that could all switch round. As I said, it can all switch round. You know, at yeah, some point, United. Are, yeah, exactly. We're, at some point, we United are going to start winning games again. You know, even if it's not under this current manager, which I hope it is for at least for the short term. Um, it could all spin back round. You know, um, Cavani panic buy. Yes, I think he's a panic buy. But at the same time, he knows where the back of the net is. Um, so I don't expect him to be starting every week. But he does know where the back of the net is, and you know, I think he'll get games. He's better than Igalo anyway. Well, on paper, he's better, and his career says he's better than Nagalo. So if if we're, I think that Alex Tellez was a, was a shrewd piece of business for someone like him because without him, I don't know who was going to feed him. But Alex Tellez is somebody which is great from crossing from deep, just like Trent, and getting to the byline. And that's exactly what Cavani thrives off. You know, he's how did, he's how, how did you end up talking about United again? Hey, <laughs> wasn't wasn't I not the last one talking about you know United and obviously what would happen in the game? That's all. Yeah, we, we went to Leeds and then you went back to United. No, it's, it's just because anyway, he, he, he bit, so I bit back. I, I wanted to say it before. I, I honestly wanted to f- say it before that you know it'd be brilliant and it's something I've thought about. What would it be like you know if Leeds got relegated but no fans got a chance to even watch any game in the Premier League? For a laugh, I'd love that. <laughs> I really would. No, I'm not biting. Alan, you've got, uh, you've got a London derby up, up this up this uh, this weekend, no? Yeah, tough one, mate. To be honest, um, I've seen a lot of people get a little bit carried away with with the start, and they're you know, I don't know whether it's just me being a pessimist, but you know, if we can get a draw in that game, I think that's a massive result, massive point. You know, Spurs, are, I think they're going to be up there this year. Um, you know, Bell is looking to start as well. So you just know that he's going to start and probably score like four or five goals, to be honest with you. Um, so if we can get a point from that, I'm happy. If not, then uh, we move on to the next game. As long as we don't, you know, end up like a, a 6-1, then uh, I think we're all right. I've actually I've actually gone for um, West Ham to win that game. Um, oh, is that why I've won of your 10p accumulators, Leon? <laughs> I've, 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 I've gone up a bit a bit more than that now. What, 20p? Uh, 20p. 
50. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I mean, it's not that um, West Ham are, are, are better than Spurs. I don't believe that at all, obviously. And, and I do agree with you. I think um, Jose Mourinho, um, he, he knows how to get results. Um, he knows how to win cups. Like, you know, if had Man United had Jose Mourinho, we were playing as terrible as they were when, obviously, the, um, last week. And we wouldn't have got to beat under him because he's the sort of guy who would shut up shop. He would see what was going on. He'd take certain players out and just say, right, you know what, you're not getting beat. Like, you're, not, you're not embarrassing me sort of thing. So for that purpose, I think that he will do something quite good with, um, with Spurs this season because he's got the players that he wants. And a happy Jose is a very good Jose. He's dangerous for the rest. But at the same time, I look at Spurs and I still, I still think there's a defeat in there in them as well. I mean, Everton beat them at the beginning of the season, and you know um, your man up front, um, he he causes havoc for anybody. You know, he, he, I mean, you look at the weather. So it's probably going to be a horrible, um, horrible game, and it, I think that suits West Ham. I actually think it suits West Ham more than it suits um, Spurs. You know, the weather being the way it is, and it just being a bit of a muggy game. And I wouldn't be surprised if he went there and nicked it. I honestly wouldn't. I've seen it before with West Ham when they've gone to Spurs, you know, and the chip, no, no one expects them to win because Spurs are doing well. Then they go there and win. And you've got, you've, you've seen it yourself. They've done it before to Spurs. I wouldn't be surprised. I know you'd be happy with that anyway. You'd take it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if they got more than the, um, than the, what you call it, than the draw. I think everyone's going to expect, obviously, um, Spurs to obviously to, to obviously to steamroll West Ham obviously after beating United and they're going to be confident because they've won a few games now well so they are going to be confident um, but West Ham are confident as well so it yeah, should be a good game we, we just need to be I think you know how we um, set up against Leicester especially we just need to be absolutely solid you know Leicester didn't even trouble us I don't think I think they had one chance with Vardy in the second half that I can remember yeah. but if we can just be solid keep the shape and then you know going forward with we. we you know, again, play how we have been, then maybe we can get a draw. If we can win, oh, be a, be a, I'll be celebrating for a, for a, for a good uh, couple of weeks. I think I've got a few Spurs mates that I can, uh, you know, keep busy with. So uh, yeah, where, but where if we can get a point, I'm happy with that. Hey, is it at the um, London Stadium? It's at Spurs. That's Spurs. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, so. They're have the whole crowd behind them. Yeah, good <laughs> game for for a neutral anyway that game. However, yeah, I think it'd be a good game because you've got two confident teams. West Ham will fancy themselves against Spurs. I think they'll fancy themselves against anybody right now, knowing that especially with Antonio the way he's playing, they'll fancy themselves. You know for a fact that Spurs. It's not just the six one. Spurs have won a few games now, obviously in Europe and and so forth. Um, obviously they beat um Southampton convincingly, obviously away as well. So they they're going to come into that game very confident, you know, but um. I think West Ham will give them a more more of a game than what you're saying. I think they will give them a game because United lay down to Spurs. They made it really easy for them. West Ham are not going to do that, but I don't expect them to anyway. I don't. I don't think they will. Yeah, I just the only thing that that worries me is you know the the class that will come through. You know, if Bow is able to you know even rekindle half the form that that, that he had sort of, uh, you know, at Real and also at. More importantly, when he was in the Prem last time, you know, and the quality of players they've got, it's it's hard to predict a West Ham win. To be honest with you, so I'm gonna, you know, it's like I say, stick with the draw. If we can get a point, good result, move on to the next one. Yeah, I understand. So uh, just covering a couple of the other games, we've got a couple of other big ones. It's the Merseyside derby this weekend, Everton um, against Liverpool, 12:30 kickoff on the Saturday. 
definitely be tuning into that one. Um, Everton obviously on a good run. Liverpool, you know, still got the quality there, but you know they're leaking goals. I think they're there for the taking at the minute. Is it Where's the, right the game? Play them. Where's hey? the game? Where's it's the game? A, um, Goodison. Goodison. Um, I mean, I've said it to my Liverpool um, supporting mates for a long time that you know that's almost not a derby. Um, I, f- I find Everton have just they just never seemed to show up in that game. The most they can do is um, well at home. I think for the last few seasons they managed to get themselves a draw, um, and that's the best that they can do. But I feel like. You know, Everton, I think they might even think, I think Everton might have turned the corner. They've got themselves, it, it, they've got themselves a very good manager, you know, you know, pedigree, you know, he's proven. Um, and and they look like a team what's believing in themselves. And I think for probably the first time in years, I mean, there's, there's times that they've, they've, they've been on good form, but I, I think, just like what you've just said there, I think Everton go into this game as believing they're going to beat, they can beat Liverpool, like generally can beat them. But it, They've probably not had that for such a long time. Um, doesn't mean they will win because obviously Liverpool are not. No, they got beat seven, seven, uh, seven two, and they're not going to be liking that. So they're definitely. You expect a better Liverpool after that. Um, you know they should turn up and want, and obviously want to win. Um, I, you know, I might go with go with Everton. You know, just 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 sneaking it. Um, it will be close. I don't. I can't imagine that Liverpool can play anything like what they've done before. I mean, against Leeds, they were ridiculously open at the back. Um, but then again, against Chelsea, they were so professional and went there and just done a job on Chelsea. You know, just not to be rude, John, but they put Chelsea yeah. in their place. Um, yeah, they and they possibly couldn't do the same to Everton. I wouldn't be surprised if they went there and did that to Everton. But I just feel... Um, I just feel that yeah, Everton might have a go at them this time, you know, and um, and for a long time, it's, it's been a long time coming that Everton actually give Liverpool a good game, and you know, I know Liverpool fans, if someone might even listen to this, they know Everton, just they've just made it so easy for Liverpool over the years, it's unreal, you know, I don't know why, you know, because <laughs> they, they know they've had some good the years, they're a big club, you know, and you know, and a very proud club as well, but for whatever reason, when it comes to playing Liverpool, they've just not just not done anything with them against them at all said so the best they've had is draws you know so yeah I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if, if they turn up really on this one when, when you look at their form this season though like they've I think they've conceded five goals across four games and still come out winners of all four games yeah like, uh, just just ba- purely based on their form at the minute I, I can see them doing quite well against Liverpool yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they do I think as I said I think they're going to be confident um Calvert-Lewin is on a great run of form. You know, you've got Richarlison. Um, they've got some good players there at Everton. And then on, on top of that, not just good players, they've got a good manager, you know. This guy knows how to win. He's proven, you know, not not just in one country. He's, he's won everywhere he's been. You know, so, you know, I, I said before the season starts, started, I mean, sorry, I think they're going to be a really good shout for, like, for, for top four. You know, you saw what Leicester did last season. Okay, I know they dropped off at the very end, but look, they came very close. And I wouldn't be surprised if Everton did, because I think Everton this season are better than what um, Leicester were last season. Um, so yeah, again, it's gonna that's gonna that's gonna be a good game to watch that because because um, Liverpool they're not gonna. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's not gonna take that line down, um, and you know he's definitely gonna want to arrest it because um, I'm not sure if many people point out here, but you know. What's happening with Liverpool has happened to Jurgen Klopp before. It's exactly what happened at Dortmund, um, where you know he had a couple of 
fantastic seasons and then he went all to pot after that. Um, and what people said is that he burnt the players out. That's what they said happened in Joe. He burnt them out. And, you know, they were flame with relegation everything. It's, and exactly like what's happened with Liverpool. Start of the season, conceding goals that they weren't doing before. Um, and this is what's happening. So th- there are people who are wondering, is, is the comparison going to be there again? Is it, So he's going to have them fired up. It's going to be a good game, that. It's going to be a really good game. And then the other big one is City against Arsenal. Mm. Yeah. City are going to come out with a point to prove, aren't they? Yeah. Definitely. You'd think so, but then I think Arsenal are playing some decent. They're playing all right at the minute, so I think that one's got draw all over it personally. But yeah, um, it seems to be me again. But you know, um, City and Arsenal is another one. I mean, see what's happening with City is the same thing what's happening with Man United, and I think I mentioned it last week again, and it's also happening with uh, with Bayern Munich and these teams. Um, and PSG, PSG's had the same problem. These teams didn't have any pre-season, you know, and 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 it's no coincidence that these teams were had no pre-season, a struggle at the beginning of the season. Um, obviously, with Man United, even before the sixth one, it's been highlighted a bit more with them. But City is struggling; they are struggling. You know what I mean? I didn't know they struggled against Leeds. Got obviously Leicester turned them over, and to be fair, even against Wolves, they struggled in that game as well. It was it was just their quality who got them through. It wasn't the fact that they played really well. Um, then you've got Arsenal now, um, and again, like I said last week, they've they've what they've got is you no know, um they've got a system that they all believe in, um, and you know a bit like Everton, I think they're going into that game really confident. They've I mean they played City, you know it wasn't that long ago they you know they beat City in in, in the semi final of the cup. Um, Arteta and the team they they'll know what to expect, and it's exactly what I said last week. You know, if you can hang in there after like the first 30 minutes, either be on par with them in terms of the score or even just one or two goals behind, knowing that you, you get one more, you've got a chance not only of drawing against them, of actually beating them. Um, you know, and if I'm Arsenal, I don't think there's, any, I wouldn't say there's anything to be scared, but I, I probably wouldn't be scared. You, you know, you're playing a really good team, but if you go there with the right system and, you know, everyone sticks to it, then you, you can definitely get something out of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised at a draw. Be, I would be shocked if they went there and won. Um, and I probably do expect City to win because they're still the better team. But I do feel that the system that Arsenal's got and the fact that they've, you know, they've, they've beaten a lot of big teams, including Man City as well um, recently, um, they're, they're going to go there confident. And um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised 1-1. Um, like kept it tight, something like that. And that's almost a win for Arsenal because that would keep them on this that bounce that they've got at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's a good game to watch. I didn't even realise that was on this weekend. It'll be a great game. All right. I think I'll leave it there, guys. Until next time. All right, guys. Enjoy. See you next week. Take See you care. next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to the Back 4 Football Podcast. This show focuses on our four supported clubs as well as results and news from all around the Premier League.